Welcome to the Gauteng Talks podcast station, the place to be for all matters related to the Gauteng and how it came to be South Africa's first ever high-speed commuter rail system. In studio today, Olas van Sale, the former project coordinator on the Gauteng project between 2000 and 2016 and a former CEO of the BKS Group and a former MD of Kutele Projects. Olas, welcome. Let's start with your role and your involvement in the Gauteng project. In what shape and form was it? Thank you. It's 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 nice to be here. Uh, I was the project coordinator, basically leading and coordinating the team of consultants uh, appointed by the provincial government to assist to support the the provincial government. Olas, let's look at the issue of leadership. You were obviously one of the leaders on the project as the project coordinator between the year two thousand and the year twenty sixteen. What do you believe? the lessons learned about leadership you took out from being involved in the senior position on the project? Well, of course, I think the, the, uh, uh, the normal leadership uh, requirements are there. Look after your staff, respect your staff, uh, communicate with them, make sure that they are all uh, uh, up to date with exactly what's going on in the project, especially a big project like this. A person is working on a viaduct somewhere in near Pretoria, but he's part of the Gautrain project. He wants to know how's it going with the tunneling, the production of the trains and, 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 and so on. You want to make them proud of the project as a whole. So communication is, is critically important also with your own staff. But coming to the more technical aspects of leadership, I think people must understand exactly right from the beginning who is entitled to wait, make what decisions. Because you cannot have a, a project like this where decisions are not taken. A uh, big project like this, time is money, and and you're going to lose a lot of money if you don't take the decisions <coughs> that that you have to take. And this is right from the from the politicians, because certain decisions are on their level. Uh, some is with the the project leader, Mr. Jack van Amerwe, and then there was a whole delegation of powers also to the. PST, the provincial support team, and we knew exactly what what decisions we could take, and and this is also one of the reasons why it was critically important to have a person like Jack van Amerwe as the the project leader of the whole project because he was a government official with many years' experience in major roads projects and 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 other construction projects. He knew exactly what the National Treasury's rules are with regard to things. He knew exactly when to go to the politicians, and he had the trust of the politicians. So I would I would think that that this is one of the of the successes of our project, but also one of the lessons learned is to to make sure that there is hundred percent clarity on who who makes what decisions on what level and when. Now, you've touched on the issue of operations earlier, but if you look back now at how the operations process played out, what are the lessons for you in terms of what you learned from, from the operations process and perhaps how would you do things differently should you do it again? The, the, 
the one aspect is a very is a very technical aspect, and this is that the operator is not an equity partner of the concessionaire. And and the reason for this was that the operator is uh, was basically uh, the operator of the Paris metro system, RATP development, and uh, at that stage, their government, which is the owner of that company, didn't want them to take a risk. Uh, and uh, we had to give them special, or the, the Bombella Consortium, special approval that it's okay, the operator uh, can be part of their team without taking up equity. Now, this, uh, uh, it still works quite well, but you can see on certain very fundamental things that if you are not an equity owner in the company, you deal with it. They become a service provider. And, and the responsibility lies with the concessionaire. So now you've got to take the concessionaire on and say, but this is what the concession agreement says with regard to the operations. And he's got to, to talk to his service provider in, 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 instead of an equity partner in the Bombella Consortium. Which is a very different discussion, I would imagine. Yes. It's about having skin in yeah. the game and whether you have a vested interest or not. Exactly. So I, I would think this is one of the more fundamental things, but it was a, a very particular reason why it happened in, 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 in this way. And we were very happy to have, uh, because they've got excellent experience. I think anybody that's been on the Paris underground uh, would know that it's a very well-run system and, 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 and we've had that experience now transferred to, to South Africa and into the, into the Gautrain system. Uh, when, when we got to the, to the changeover from the development phase to the, to the operational phase, we still had the snag list. The snag list, we had over 50,000 snags identified and you've got six months or so after you finished with the development phase the the physical work to determine the snag list and then you've got a year to complete that snags now many of those snags are paintwork that's not done or a leakage in a in a station water damp or whatever or tiles which have not been laid 100% or so on. But there are more fundamental snags also. Now, snag number one was the, was the, uh, uh, the tunnel leakage in the, in the uh, or the water leakage in the tunnel. And that's a story on its own because it had all sorts of repercussions with disputes and arbitrations and, 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 and things like that. But the other snags, they were all supposed to be fixed within a year. But because the water leakage became uh, uh, an, a dispute and uh, arbitration and couldn't be resolved because that was legally resolved, uh, the snag list, uh, I would say 99% of it was done within the year as specified. But the, let's say the 50 most difficult snags were dragged on with because there was no 
There was no pressure. And you can, you can ask yourself, shouldn't we have allowed in the concession agreement for a situation like this? But you see, the, the, the pressure on the concessionaire to finish the snag list is they provide bonds, a performance bond and a retention bond. And that's many, many millions of rands and even billions of rands, which they've got to put down in a bank, provide as a guarantee for the project if they would pull out or for whatever other reason. Yes. They can't get their bonds back until the snags have been resolved. And normally in a construction project, you would say, well, that's the pressure on them. Why must I build in any other penalties? In our case, because they couldn't get the bonds back, couldn't complete the snag list because of the water leakage in the tunnel, and, and that hasn't been resolved. There was no pressure on them to finish off the other items. But there were one or two of those which I felt in the end, it took us about three years to resolve those items. And uh, maybe it was good that we had more time uh, because they were difficult issues also on our side and uh, a lot of work had to go into them. Now, now the going over to the operations phase, you see, when you, when you establish your snagless, the question is, is it a maintenance issue? Is it a deficiency, something done wrong? Because remember, during the project, the operations phase, there are lots of things that needs attention under maintenance. So, so I sat in on the operations team and at the operations meetings together with the Bombella uh, CJV, the civil joint venture people, who were responsible only for the development phase because we had to make sure, and, and that was only for a year or two, that some of the issues which are being discussed there are in fact legacy development phase and not operational phase issues. Uh, but again, and, and, and just to come back to the concession agreement, in our case, concession agreement was finally negotiated uh, 2005, 2006, for a, for a concession period of 20 years. The concession agreement has to determine exactly what can possibly happen in this project and must make provision for it. And not only the development phase, but also the operational phase. And that runs for a 20-year period. So you can imagine if you must think ahead 15, 20 years, also on the operations side, what can go wrong? What if? And what must you do then? Who's responsible? What are the solutions? And that must all go into the, the CA. And therefore, you will appreciate that, that, yes, as you go on with the project, there are so many externalities and so on in a project like this, where, uh, 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 which is not necessarily covered in the CA and where new arrangements have to be made. So there are a lot of challenges for the operational phase. Which actually leads quite nicely into dispute management because there's no doubt on a project of this scale, time period, etc., that disputes obviously would arise in the various contracts and the various management teams. What were the lessons learned for you in terms of dispute uh, management and resolution and how did you overcome those challenges? Well, let me first of all say when when... We advanced in the project and the development phase and the disputes and the claims started coming in. 
the politicians were and not being a fay with construction projects generally said what's going on you know and 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 I drew up a memorandum for them uh, going to and that was just after the the soccer World Cup and I showed that for soccer World Cup stadiums the King Shaka Airport in Durban the Gauteng freeway scheme there's not one of these fairly recent contracts at that stage where there were no claims and disputes it was quite normal in fact i sat it's almost in, impossible i would imagine to, yeah. to to have a completely seamless project yeah. on the size and scale yeah well i i, I was in a for for, for a big pro, international project in belgium one day we were partnering with the international company and uh, and they and they were talking about the tender they were submitting and th- the contractor was it was one of these things where the consulting engineers and the contractors were together and uh, and the argument was is our tender price competitive enough and this was one of the big big projects in the world at that stage and uh, the contractor said uh, yes, it's competitive, but it's not for, from our side very good, but we'll make it up with claims and disputes. So they, they, some of them, I don't say all of them, some mm. of them even plan it from the beginning. Now, in 90% of the projects, these claims and disputes are settled in the end of the day. And in our case, it was fortunately also settled. Uh, we had some we had some big arbitrations uh, with fairly big amounts, and they went through uh, uh, right up to the point where a, a judgment was given by the judges. Uh, so by the time we made a settlement, was after some of the arbitrations were completed, but the the funds not necessarily paid from which side? Because remember. The disputes don't only come from the concessionaire side, they were also disputes from our side. For example, on the tunnel leakage and so on, which mm-hmm. had huge financial implications for them. So, so uh, 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 and I think the settlement in the end, in our case, was, was very reasonable and even lower percentage-wise than many of the other contracts I've, I've, I've just referred to. When we come to disputes, I think I have to mention that we provided for a dispute resolution board, a DRB, and a whole process in the CA. And uh, this maybe was one of the lessons we learned that that didn't work. We had one major dispute done through the DRB, and uh, the parties weren't happy at the end, and we had to go to arbitration. Arbitration is a exercise outside of the project. It's the Arbitration Foundation of South Africa. They make use of, of judges, uh, in many instances retired judges, and even advocates and so on, to, to sit on the bench and, and rule on, on the particular thing. So it's, it's a very uh, proper uh, system uh, which, which is run. But you can even be unhappy with the arbitration and then you can say, now I'm going to the normal legal court system. And there were one or two stages uh, in our project where this was also considered. Uh, 
Well, I want to move on to, to, to something slightly different now. What, what do you think the, some of the lessons learned in terms of how you over, overcame the rapid institutional knowledge walkout at, 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 a, at, at a various stage in, in, the, in the project? Because obviously things come to an end and, and yeah. certain expertise and knowledge leaves the project. Yeah. What, what did you learn from a lesson point of view and how did you deal with that issue? Well, I, th- I think, first of all, to make sure that you retain the experience and the knowledge. Uh, of course, Gautrain is a very unique project. Uh, yes, we are, we, we've planned extensions to the Gautrain, but the likelihood of getting another Gautrain in South Africa exactly like Gautrain is, is, is not very likely. Uh, but w- we will get other projects and even projects like the Eskom power stations, the Lesotho Highland scheme, uh, water scheme, and, and, and projects like that. We had some of those people coming to us and asking us, what did you do here, what did you do there, and so on. So yes, we've, we've developed experience and knowledge which should somehow be retained because at the end of the day, government paid for it, and you wouldn't like that to just go down the drain at the end of the day. Uh, and it's not easy how, how, you, how you retain it. Because uh, you're also, also a victim of your own success if you develop this knowledge and this experience. Yes. It's going to be in demand in the marketplace. Oh, yes. But, you know, we've, uh, you've mentioned that I've been project coordinator for, uh, for 16 years and then I retired. So, I mean... The availability, if you've retired, is 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 not all that good. So, uh, but yes, there were also younger people than I that worked on it, and and you want that knowledge also to be generally available, especially if government paid for it. Now we've we've uh, uh, we've recognised that right from the beginning, and we've established certain processes. We've appointed at by the time we got to the end of the development period, the Gautrain Management Agency were established. They, of course, as mentioned already, were responsible for the operational phase and the rest of the of the project. But we we appointed some of their staff to run in parallel with our staff to to have the experience on the ground with the actual things. Then, we wrote up uh, some of the experiences in reports, and and yes, uh, uh, we've 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 reported on the whole process. Uh, as I've mentioned to you, I've uh, I've actually been called back to make sure that the procurement process, all the details and checks and balances and so on have been properly documented. Now we've tried to do the same with the development process. And we've given names and telephone numbers and so on. If those people are still available and they haven't retired or passed away or immigrated or whatever, where they can be contacted. But then, then we've uh, uh, the GMA appointed staff to be responsible for case studies and even things like this podcast we're doing. And I personally think. It is, it's a big success story. The way that those case studies have been documented and made available because we have, apart from people in other projects, and I've mentioned power stations and, and so on, we have students coming 
to the GMA on a continuous basis, doing uh, projects and wanting to know what we did here and there and there. And, 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 and I really do think that, that the re- retention of knowledge and experience has been done very well in the case of, of Gautrain. Lastly, Olas, uh, if you were to be involved in a project of a similar nature, what would you do differently or change in terms of structure and approach, looking back now on your nearly 20 years involved with the Gautrain project? Yeah. I would certainly go for a PPP project, and, and, and this is fundamental. I mean, uh, there is the other podcast available on the procurement project, but you are forced to go through certain processes, which you don't normally have in a big, big project like this. Uh, yes, a, 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 a proper team to support the, the project from government side, uh, proper uh, bidders and concessionaires uh, I would I would largely the, the the big elements of the project I would certainly do again I'm I'm very happy that I think and 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 you can yeah they say in sport look at the scoreboard but look at the project and the outcome of it and it's a successful project it is supported by the people it runs completely full at peak periods extensions are planned and so on. So, yes, when you come to smaller things, and I've mentioned certain things uh, to you, there are many other smaller things, yes, where you where you would certainly make adjustments. But the, the major aspects, I would certainly do the same all over again. The proof is in the pudding. Exactly. Olas, thanks for your time. We value your input. You've been listening to Olas van Sale, former project coordinator on the Gautrain project. He's been providing us with insights into the lessons learned from the Gautrain project, covering issues such as the development phase, leadership, contract management, dispute management, and institutional knowledge. To listen to this and other interviews about the Gautrain, please tune into our podcast at Gautrain Talk Station. You can also access further material on our website. That's www.gautrain.com. .co.za or follow us on Twitter.